0: From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 99. Today's show is brought to you by Braintree, Martian Craft, and Casper. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Federico Vettici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. And Stephen Hackett. Howdy, Stephen Hackett. (laughs) Hey, Mike. I'm talking to everyone in their local tongue, you know, native language and all that.
1: I don't think I've ever said howdy in a serious way. Ever. (laughs) You sure?
2: No. Why you why you're asking when if it's sure? <laughs>
1: Pretty sure. Someone do follow up because that's what I do. So the uh we have two pieces of follow up. The first one concerning one, two, three, notetaker, The Evernote replacement that Mike is h- hard uh at work writing in Swift. And
0: calculator replacement. And
1: calculator replacement. What else does it do? Is that is this the two things? It does everything.
0: I think there's some other features, but I'm I'm not at liberty to talk about them right now. Oh, yeah.
2: wow. There's an NDA. There's yeah. an embargo, and yeah. and Mike is, is respecting his own embargo. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Good job. No, no no teaser post on Medium. But if you go to the first link in the show notes, uh, it is also just paste it in the chat for the live listeners, and you add it to your home screen on iOS, it is like running a beta of the 123 note taker icon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's that. I have it on my phone, and it makes me very happy. And it's just really great. A little, uh, you a little. do have it there. Yeah, a little Easter egg from Frank, our designer. So it's pretty great.
0: So that's amazing. Uh, But we have more amazing follow-up. Episode 99 will forever be known as the episode of amazing follow-up. Because earlier this week, uh, Nathan Clark wrote in to me because he was listening back to the Prompt Archive, much respect, uh, which is at relay.fm slash prompt. And you can go there, you can listen to the old show, the show that predated this one. And on episode 31... Number three, one of the prompt on January the 16th, 2014 at around the one hour and 12 minute mark. We have the prophet Federico. He brings up the idea of using multiple iPads. And Federico, you spoke about the fact of using an iPad for home and an iPad for mobile. And that within two years, you think that that might not be a crazy thing. Now I have the clip and, So we can play it. So you'll hear the clip now and you'll be able to hear for yourself the Prophet Federico predict the next couple of years of computing.
2: I guess that the next step would be, should I buy really a new Mac or should I get maybe an iPad for home and uh, an iPad for, you know, mobile setups?
0: Why would that's, you want to have
2: that's two sound, different iPads? That, okay, that sounds crazy. Yeah, I don't that understand sounds crazy. that. But, uh, you know, maybe an iPad Air to use at home
0: mm. and an iPad Mini I to think, use... I, I think you might have gone off the deep end there a little bit, buddy.
2: I, I, I don't know, Mike, because back in the day, you used to have the Mac for the desk and the Mac for the and the laptop. I don't think that it would be too... Cr- now, this would be a scenario where I, would, I could see a larger iPad. The, the, the big iPad that you keep at home that maybe you can, you can share with the family and the small iPad that you, that you keep for, for yourself. I think that it sounds crazy now. I, I don't think that it will sound crazy in a couple of years.
0: I think my favorite thing about this whole clip... I actually have two favorite things. One is the fact that I think you've gone crazy... Right, and the other is that you used the exact argument that I gave for why uh-huh. I did this, and then you said I was crazy two years later. Which is you know, the idea of having the Mac for the desk, like for home, and a laptop. Uh-huh. That it was it's hilarious. <laughs> the crazy, the crazy part
2: for me is that I completely forgot about this, and the past two years. While it doesn't seem like a long time away, listening to this, effectively, a lot of stuff has changed to the point where what I said two years ago seem, seemed crazy to me, but it also makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. So, like, our, our roles have been reversed in just two years, and it's kind of scary that, that I... Basically, I, I say things and I forget about them. Oh, but how many hundreds of
0: hours of things have we said by now?
2: So you're saying that maybe this is just like a... Like
1: coincidence?
2: A, a coincidence. Like No, not at is, all. This is maybe the needle in the high stack of follow-up. It's just we got lucky or I got lucky. I, well, I said this thing and now look at what's happened.
0: You know, I, This is the thing, like... Okay, so the fact that you said two years and it's two years is a beautiful coincidence because <laughs> you just pl- plucked a number out of the air. But what you saw at that point is what happened. Like, that cannot be denied because the reasoning that you gave and, the, you know, about the idea about there being iPads which are larger and smaller and the idea of having mobile iPads and home iPads, like, that was a thing that has come to pass and is becoming more and more true for more people. And I know that at the moment, it can still be seen as a crazy and frivolous thing. But I would expect that like when people started buying multiple Macs, it was. But this is just a normal thing that people do now. And and I think it's going to continue to become more normal as time goes on. It, yeah, I just think that it's amazing that you predicted this. But you know my favorite thing about it, as I said, is that I then used the same argument against <laughs> you two years later when you thought I was crazy. Uh, so our y- roles reversed completely. Y- you told me
2: I think you might have, g- have gone off the deep end. Yeah, <laughs> that they were my words. You were you were shocked by that idea. I was
0: absolutely <laughs> shocked by it. I I thought it was I thought it was insane. But like even at that point, you're still using a Mac for a lot of stuff because you, yes. you know you even. Mentioned that, uh, so it's, it's funny that even as you went more iOS, this idea became more alien to you. So there's two other things that are interesting to me about this. One, this was the uh, Vitichi Seal of Quality episode. Great that episode. where that yeah. first came up. And also, this clip—the clip that you hear in the episode—I uh, grabbed that clip and edited it using Ferrite on my iPad Pro.
2: So see, see what's happened. It's all, <laughs> no,
0: you, it's all come around. It's, it's all, all a, come around.
2: It's a, it's a complete circle at this point, Mike. This um, is
0: just the best follow-up ever.
2: I feel like two years ago there was a lot of uh, demand for uh, Apple doing more with iOS on the iPad. So I'm trying to kind of. Re- to to imagine my context 2 years ago so maybe with that that kind of pent up demand for iPad features on iOS uh which wouldn't happen in 2014 that would happen a year later but maybe i was trying to imagine at the moment when apple finally does more ipad stuff on ios and when the ipad eventually becomes uh, a tool for people just like a, a macbook because i i was sure it was going to happen uh maybe if we if we treat the iPad more like a MacBook, then it's not too crazy to imagine people having two two iPads just like they have two Macs. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just really like a simple line of thinking, but it's it is a beautiful coincidence the way that it played out, you know, with the with the iPad Pro and then multiple iPad Pros, and two years later. So uh, good job, Tichi, I guess.
0: It's also funny to me that we were talking about a bigger iPad in two thousand and fourteen. Like we didn't really know anything, we didn't really think much of it, but like it just shows the rumor cycle. Like we were already thinking about a bigger iPad all the way back then,
2: right? Because there were there were the rumors of if you remember in 2014 there were rumors of iPad multitasking happening with iOS 8, and instead they got pushed back to iOS 9 in 2015. So I think uh, we were we were uh, talking about multitasking and the rumors that were probably a few leaks on 9to5Mac on of someone found uh, in the iOS SDK a way to enable multitasking. Um, and there were the first rumors of Apple doing an iPad Pro. Uh, and actually a lot of people were saying uh, an iPad Pro should have like USB stuff or have um, Windows like, like on on, on OS 10, so you can resize apps. And uh, I believe I had one of those articles uh, like thinking about the iPad Pro, I think it was two years ago. So yeah, we were definitely in the rumor in the rumor stage at that point.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny to me. I'd forgotten that you were using an iPad Mini for so long. And I oh yeah, I can't imagine you doing that now after being on the big one for so long. Oh, no, crazy.
0: Yeah, I remember when you switched to the Air two. Yeah, yeah, right. That was twenty fourteen or
2: fifteen, maybe. I used did the Mini for two years, so probably late twenty fourteen. And I I, I don't even know what an iPad Mini looks like, honestly. I I haven't uh, used an iPad Mini in years. So, no idea. I should probably go to the Apple Store and see what it feels like.
1: It feels (laughs) tiny and ridiculous. (laughs) I know. No, it's great. I think what we need to focus on now is using your clear power Mm -hmm. to see what's coming up in the next couple of years so we can sound super smart about it. So, just be thinking about that. and Maybe we'll come up with something for... uh, to, to recall back in 24 months. Two iPhones. <laughs> next no, yeah, time I think tried that, the day phone, night phone. doesn't work.
0: That was actually brought up in that episode. So after the clip, uh, Federico starts talking about day iPad, night iPad. That's like the next thing that, that continues after the clip. That
2: <laughs> of course. So the, We
0: did continue to discuss it after that, but that was the most pertinent part. So you can go and listen to that. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to the episode. Um and massive, massive thank you to Nathan for discovering this. Uh f- because it's it's provided us with a, a much needed moment of reflection.
2: Yeah, Nathan uh, was uh, uh perusing the Bible of Relay, uh mm-hmm. which is the the archive, mm-hmm. any found in the scriptures, uh <laughs> you know about the iPad. So thank oh, you, God. Nathan.
0: I'm backing away from this and we're <laughs> gonna take a break. And uh, thank you. <laughs> to braintree for sponsoring this week's episode code for easy mobile payments maybe you are hard at work on the next uber airbnb or github if you are then why not use the same simple payment solution that helped them become what they are today braintree makes mobile payments so fast easy and seamless it's almost like magic You can add it to your app with just a few lines of code and you'll be instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo cards, credit cards, even Bitcoin. And if some other way to pay comes along, you can bet your bottom dollar that Braintree will support that too. Braintree's fast payouts and continuous support mean that you'll always be ready, whether you're earning your first dollar or your best. Billionth, see fewer abandoned carts and more sales of Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. To check it out for yourself, go to BraintreePayments.com/slash-connected. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Stephen, you've published another uh, video, another another L in your YouTube empire series of really, really <laughs> old computers.
1: Some of these aren't that old. Some of these are. Only a little old. So I I did a look at seven notebooks comparing, starting with the PowerBook G3 in, like, 1999, talking about the PowerBooks, talking about the MacBook Pro. And uh, so it's seven notebooks. Um, I blasted them in, like, six minutes. And I put it up earlier this week. And it's the first video I've done that I didn't really dislike by the time I published it. I think I finally have found a recipe that works for me. Um, it is super strange to be in a room by yourself just talking to a camera. Like there's a moment where your brain is really wondering what you're doing. But um, it's good. I think people are enjoying it and um, I have fun making it. So it's another it's another one in the books. Uh, we'll see where it goes from here, I guess.
0: So what what is the crowning laptop in this collection? So what are they? What laptops do we have? So I have
1: a PowerBook G3 Pismo, Titanium PowerBook, a 12, 15, and seventeen-inch PowerBook G4, a original MacBook Pro, and then the current fifteen-inch Retina MacBook Pro. Hmm.
0: There are some of it. these that look ridiculous in places.
1: The seventeen-inch PowerBook G4 is a hilarious computer. There's just no yeah. way around it.
0: Yeah, um, that looks insane because of its size. But you've got stuff like the or what is that the P- the Pismo one, mm-hmm. where the Apple logo is upside down.
1: Yeah, they did that for really like years and years. And with the titanium, uh, actually during the keynote, Jobs like showed off the back of the computer, and people like laughed and and hollered when the Apple logo was facing the right way. And all he says was, "You and about a billion other people." Like you got to tell he had he had <laughs> a hand in that. But um, it it was just fun to see the evolution. I built a case that the titanium powerbook is really the grandfather of what we have today, and and it's it's fun to see the way Apple evolves things. And when you have a bunch of stuff like physically with you, it's really easy to kind of draw the trend lines and stuff. So um, it'll be in the show notes and I'm going to put a link to a bunch of pictures in the show notes. So you can see like how wild the Pismo is compared to the, the power books that would follow it. Uh, just a, a big, uh, big jump forward uh, in 2001. I really don't like the design of the titanium. Uh, it's power book. Was it, was it called the titanium power book? Yeah, the, the actual, like the marketing name, Titanium Powerbook G4. Okay. Just which so you
0: horrifically call the portmanteau of TyBook.
1: Which I, uh, A, Casey List called me out on that privately, As you should which you do. should have. Because I didn't even realize I said it until I was editing. I was like, well, that's done. <laughs> like, you said okay. it.
0: not just once. You said it a lot.
1: Yeah. Anyways, so that's unfortunate. But, but Yeah, I
0: really don't like the way this, the, the, lots of this computer looks. Like, the different color kind of bezel around the keyboard
1: it's a little busy uh compared to today and it, it definitely I, I still think it looks good but it looks old like there's kind of no way no way around that but and
0: titanium um, is a terrible metal to make a computer of
1: yeah so these had a bunch of problems uh the biggest is that the hinges would fail the hinges weren't made out of titanium but the hinges would fail so you would go to open it and like the lid would just come off like a like a surface book or something I bet they chipped really easily. And they chipped real bad. The paint, they the, they painted the metal. And mine is pretty much pristine, but most of them are not. I looked for a long time before I found this one that was in such a good shape.
0: I was sad to not see the MacBook Air in this
1: video. So I mentioned the MacBook Air in it, talking about the unibody construction. It, um, when I was kind of writing this out, I felt like it, it didn't really... Fit to, sh- to show it for whatever reason. I do have an original MacBook Air with a little port door, but um, it didn't make it in. I, I I'm going to I think I'm going to end up doing something just on the MacBook Air because it's such a wild computer. But I, I really kind of stuck with the PowerBooks and the MacBook Pros in this one.
0: Yeah, it, it does. I, I get that the trend line uh, is kind of like professional laptops. Yeah, so like I can see how like why it went through this way, but it was just interesting because the MacBook Air is a thing uh in and to itself the original one with its little flappy door for the USB and stuff
1: that poor it's little super guy. strange
0: <laughs> that poor little guy. so uh are you a youtube millionaire yet are you raking in no. the youtube millions
1: no i don't think anyone is
0: that's where all the money is right
1: no it's not uh, <laughs> i've the uh, the youtube channel is still experimental and still a big black hole in my company budget
0: yeah it's funny cuz obviously we i run Basic, a very basic youtube channel right the cortex youtube channel mm-hmm. and uh, it's just really funny to see the revenue numbers on it it's just funny it just makes me laugh like th- there's all so many views and just so so little money in youtube it's it's kind of insane
1: yeah i think i think i've maybe made like a 100 bucks now i think i've just broken congratulations that. <laughs> and the, nice. the first that for one of those ipod videos has like ninety one thousand views mm-hmm. so it, it it takes a lot i mean but, uh, but for me, I'm using it to like, accent and make 512 pixels a bigger deal. And so for that, that is working. And uh, so that's that's good enough for me. I don't need the YouTube channel to, to make my mortgage each month, thankfully.
0: Well, I mean, there's also the other element to it, which is you know what I always say, the inquisitive behind the app, which we'll get to something similar to that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, one of the real key benefits of doing that was I learned a skill, which was detailed... Editing, detailed sure. audio editing. Um, I learned an awful lot about how to edit audio by doing that, and you are learning some skills in how to edit video, which might not be useful for like f- from a financial perspective right now, but could be very useful to you in a couple of years for some reason.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and that that is it's um, a big part of it. Are you using Final Cut? I am. Interesting. Final Cut pretend up to solve the emails from coming in i put together a list of camera gear because people are always curious about that so we can put that in the show notes too but yeah editing in final cut it gets a job done for me i don't need the stuff in the adobe suite and uh i kind of know how final cut thinks because i know iMovie pretty well I wish that Logic would learn some things from Final Cut. Actually, like you use them both heavily, and you realize that Final Cut is a lot of things a lot better than Logic, just the way it sort of thinks about media and the way some of the timeline controls work are much more natural. Yeah, uh, where Logic feels Logic feels older than it is in a lot of ways.
0: My least favorite slash most favorite thing about Final Cut is when you open Final Cut and then you watch in the dock like hundreds and hundreds of scripts start mm-hmm. opening. It's kind of a terrifying and really weird thing to see.
1: It's better not to think about what it's doing in the background of your computer.
0: (laughs) Like, why? Why does it need to do all of this? Why do I need to see any of it? Why can't they hide it? It's very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Talking about very weird, uh, Razer, R-A-Z-E-R, the uh, games peripheral company, Mm -hmm. today has unveiled a mechanical keyboard and case for the iPad Pro. Have you seen this, Federico?
2: You need to explain this to me. Uh, okay. I've seen pictures, I've read that it's mechanical, so I'm kind of ignorant about this, but I tend to associate mechanical with it makes noise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I presume it's Bluetooth, and that, that's about what I know. It's a case, it costs uh, like a $170, mm-hmm. and it makes noise when you type, which annoys people, um, around you, uh, if you don't live alone, and uh, it has a kickstand.
0: Yeah, so I'll go through the product features, and then, Stephen, you can maybe try and explain to us both what the difference between mechanical and non-mechanical keyboard. So okay. this is just for the 12.9-inch Pro right now, um, although there is potential for them to do this later on. Uh, it is a it is and has a detachable case from the keyboard, so you can have it as like a book, or you can just have it as the keyboard in the kickstand and use your own case or no case at all. The kickstand, I think, is probably my favorite feature from looking at it because it will allow you to put the iPad at multiple angles. So it kind of sits out on the desk behind, and then you can position the iPad up and down on it, which is great because... No other product, I don't think, does this right now. Am I right in thinking that, Federico? Like, none of the current keyboard solutions for the iPad Pro have an adjustable viewing angle.
2: Well, maybe there's some there's some cheap keyboard on Amazon, but I, I'm not
0: familiar with them. Sure, none of none of the, the, the mainstream the big, ones.
2: The big-name companies, no, I don't, I don't think so.
0: It connects by Bluetooth, not the smart connector, um, which I thought was a bit of a shame, but I think I've worked out the reason why. Mm-hmm. Uh, the keys have a backlight, Yeah. Um, And you get 10 hours of battery life when you're using the backlight. But when you're not using the backlight, you get 600 hours so <laughs> wow it seems like the backlight probably takes more power than a smart connector can give that is my assumption here. I think that's a safe bet <laughs> because that is a significant difference
2: yeah I can yeah. imagine like look at look at that sweet battery life it would be a shame if you went away with
0: backlight <laughs> I have waited for years and years for you to give me a quote like that you know Finally, you're giving me some scary mafia-type quotes. <laughs> uh, it is available right now. Um, it's And Federico mentioned it's $169 or €189. Euro, uh, and you can pick one up right now if you want to. So, I mean, it looks pretty good. It looks pretty nice. Um, it looks like it has media keys, which is great. Uh, it looks like it's a pretty full-size keyboard. Uh, it looks like it's got a pretty nice wrist rest, like you'd be used to from a um, or like a wrist area that you'd be used to from a laptop. It looks like it's got home buttons, brightness buttons, uh, spotlight controls, media controls, all that good stuff. So that's that's cool to see. So Stephen, can you explain uh, to the best of your ability mechanical keyboards and what the differences are?
1: Yes, if you look in the chat room, I'm putting a GIF from Sean Blanc's website. Uh, that kind of shows how these oh things my. work. So a, a regular keyboard, like on the MacBook Pro or the Magic Keyboard, they're using silicone or rubber domes wow. underneath. And so it's it's soft material, and they use plastic uh, frames to kind of keep the keys in line. So you remember from the MacBook video, they are like, oh, we're using a stainless steel dome switch, and the plastic kind of keeps it in there. So there's not a lot of travel, and it's designed to be quiet. If you look at this GIF, there is a spring and a buckle. And so the thing slides down on the spring. It makes connection at the bottom and then comes back up. And in that, there's a lot of travel. And depending on which mechanical keyboard you have, it's either a little bit noisy or it sounds like machine gun fire. (laughs) Some of them are quite, quite loud. And people just have preferences. I used to type on a mechanical keyboard... Um, but I can't anymore because uh, my hands are old and decrepit. But a lot of people really like them. A lot of people like them for gaming. A lot of people like them for typing. Jason Snell uh, like built a custom one because he's really into them, which is awesome. I wish I could be. And so, at best I can tell, what this keyboard is using is a you know it's not doesn't have a ton of travel, but you you don't have to have a ton of travel to have the spring and the buckle and the, the noise. And uh, Razer makes tons of accessories, tons of keyboards, some of the chat room point out they make mice. Like they make lots of input devices. And I know people who really like what they make. So I think that for people who want to type on something like this, it's gonna be um it's gonna be a nice a nice accessory for your iPad. I don't know how well it's gonna sell. I mean you're selling to twelve point nine inch iPad Pro owners, which is already a small market. Somebody who like it's really hard to beat the smart keyboard because it's a case and it just uses smart connector and this thing requires bluetooth and charging and all that but i think i think they'll find their market with it but uh, that's the big difference springs and buckles versus guides and a uh like a plastic or in the macbook's case a steel dome switch so this looks really
0: thin this keyboard how could you get a mechanism like that in here i'm a bit confused
1: yeah, so the GIF that I showed in the chat room is exaggerated, and this is the uh, ALP blue switch. So this is like the most extreme or one of the most extreme examples of it. Um, so it's this sort of action, but in a much shallower space. So it's still they're still spring-loaded. There's still some sort of buckle that comes over. But the GIF is like worst-case worst or best-case scenario, depending on how you think about it.
0: Hmm. Federico, does this interest you at all? I know that you've you've recently got a smart keyboard, um, magic keyboard, magic keyboard. I will one day. I will get those keyboard names correct. That day is not today. Are you interested in this at all? I, I think at least uh, the, the 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 idea of the multiple viewing angles makes this an, an interesting product. So I make fun of
2: uh, I make fun of mechanical keyboards because there's some people are extremely fussy about those, but there's a few aspects that are intriguing to me backlit keys huge win. um i would mostly use this in theory to write the review when i'm alone so the noise wouldn't be a problem palm rest uh, looks very nice and the multiple viewing angles
0: but what about the media keys and stuff
2: uh, i don't i don't care about the media keys because i control Mm -hmm. media on my phone um Two problems, actually one pro one problem. It ships in Italy at the end of July, and the 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 ten days where I'll be mostly alone, trying to get like ten hours of writing every done every day, starts tomorrow. So when if I they were so close, if I get this keyboard and it comes by the end of July when I'm about to go on vacation and there's going to be people around the house, it's an it's a loses all of the the basic purpose of this next 10 days. I need to be alone just right. And um, so it looks nice, but I'll probably stick with the Magic Keyboard because there's no point in getting this now, and it shows up at the beginning of August. Okay,
0: well. I'm sorry, Mike. It might still be worth it. You know, if you're interested, like you, you do write more than just this one review. But hey, maybe I, I, I want to go to a store, like you know, like a tech store or whatever, like a, like a Best Buy-like store, and maybe just try it so I can see what it's yeah. like. I just wonder what it feels like.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. the thing for me is the increased pressure needed, which is why I had to get rid of mine. Like the increased pressure and in the the travel is yeah. what really did my extended two keyboard in. But this one being thin, there's, there's a line in the article about. A new, this is like a new ultra low profile mechanical switch they built just for this product. Um, assuming it would come to other products in the future, I think. But it requires so,
0: 70 grams of force to register a press.
1: Yeah. And I don't know what the magic keyboard is, but it, uh, it's got to be way less than that. Um, and to stop, though, they've already emailed me because I said it several months ago. The GIF is of a Cherry MX Blue switch. Alpine is a different. Type of Ugh. key switch. So Ugh. sorry, mechanical keyboard people.
0: You can't Even be me. trusted.
1: I know. Just, I'm just. I'm terrible.
0: Yeah, you're terrible. Why do you do that? I just.
1: Wow. It just makes mm. me upset. You know. When I get things wrong or when I correct them.
0: Uh. Both.
1: <laughs> wow. I can't I win really today.
0: Nope. Not at <laughs> all. So uh, I went ahead and did something. I I went ahead and did something this week. I mm. enabled two factor my devices and I have thoughts about two factor
2: another feature that you need to
0: explain to me because I feel like I need I need to be explained everything so
1: I am ready to explain okay. that's really good
0: before we do that let me thank Martian craft for sponsoring this week's episode you may know Martian craft because they are behind some of the most prominent software in the application store that you use every day. But what you might not know is that they offer a wide variety of training. They have classes to accommodate everyone from entry-level to senior iOS developers that are seeking to amplify their skills or improve collaborative problem-solving. Fortune 500 companies rely on MartianCraft to make their teams and their software better. Find out for yourself why they are the right choice for your company. Go to martiancraft.com training to learn more. And I would like to say about Martian Craft, that Martian Craft have their own stickers. And when I saw Ben Brooks, he gave me a sticker in San Francisco. So I I love any company that makes stickers, especially when they give them to me. So go check them out, martiancraft.com slash training. Uh, Kit Stephen, can you please explain two-factor authentication? This was um, prompted for me to go and do because of a couple of articles that Dan Moran wrote over at Six Colors. It just popped it into my brain that maybe this is something I should do to add some additional security into my uh, devices.
1: You bet. So on the surface, uh, two-factor authentication, just at its most basic level, is a system in which you cannot log in with just a username and a password. The system will ask you for an additional piece of information. So different services do this differently. Some of them will send you like an SMS text message, Apple's old two-step verification did this, you would get a text with like a six digit code, and then you put it in the website. Google and some others use what are called one time passwords, which are kind of the same thing, but they're always generating. So uh, you can actually set this up within one password. So you don't get a text, you just look in your authentication app, and it gives you a six digit code that you need that times out of every 30 seconds or so. What Apple is doing is even is kind of a third way, and it's custom to Apple. They built it themselves, where you go to log into iCloud on the web. So say you want to look at your iCloud email on in a browser, which you should never do because it's terrible. But say that you want to do it. You enter your username, you enter your password, and then it says enter the six-digit code. And what's happening is when you enter your password, your iPhone and your iPad and your Mac and anything else, I think, actively on – uh, comes up with a, a little popover, a little window that just floats on top of everything else in the system and says, there's a login attempt at this place and it shows a map. I'm going to come back to the map because I have a funny bug with it. And it says, is this you? If it is, uh, here's your six-digit code. <laughs> and if not, I think there's a link to like deal with some security issues. And so you take that six-digit code off your iPhone and you enter it on the website and now you can log in to iCloud email. So the, the idea is it is a is a real life like meet space way of saying you are who you say you are. And of course nothing is perfect. There are ways that this could be used against you. If someone steals your phone and you're getting SMS text messages and they have your password. So if someone has your phone and your password then two factor is really not going to necessarily help you all that much if you use text messages. I think that's why Apple moved from that old two step SMS message to this new like custom built two factor authentication system. Does that does that make sense? Username, password plus a one use one time string of digits that is designed to keep you safe.
2: Okay, so I'm on. Um, I just checked on my account. I'm on two-step okay. verification, which is the old so that's, one.
1: That's the old one. And and Dan so, Moran's articles can. Uh, da-
2: Dan, Moran, Dan Moran. Dan Moran. Moran. <laughs> and, uh, that
0: is the correct pronunciation of his name. Yes,
2: it is. Steven and I were talking this week on iMessage, and we mentioned Dan Moran. <laughs> and you need to write it with a with an uh, the letter e uh, with an accent. So uh. it's a little. It, it makes it a little more French. Just a yeah. little more. It's a little sexier, a little <laughs> European, exotic, if mm-hmm. you will. So Dan yeah. Moran. Uh, so uh, basically, two-factor. It instead of just sending me this alert with the two with the digits with the co- with the code, before it shows me this little map preview. Mm-hmm. Then I, I tap on allow, and then it gives me the code. Yep. That, so it's do. It basically the only difference is the is the map preview.
1: Uh yeah, you
2: still get a code. You still
0: get a code. You still
1: get a code. Yeah, yeah. You, you still get a code. So um, the old one could also use SMS. Okay. Yeah. And I, I believe that the new one
0: it's never sent me a text message. So no. yeah,
1: it's just the verification code. So that that part is on both systems. But um, uh, the map is new, and I think I think the way it, it works is a little bit more like robust. Um, so once you sign in, you won't be asked for verification. To, code again on that device so you're not like that's one thing google does like they they want your code all the time um so it's a little more robust if you're kind of within the apple ecosystem of devices all the time
2: all right so what's the what's the downside of doing this? There must be a catch somewhere.
0: Let me go through my experiences. And I
2: feel like the catch is Mike. <laughs>
0: hey, I did it. Okay, well let me tell you, let me tell you. It. So super easy to set up. You just like go into iCloud settings and turn it on. Like that's that's all it takes. Um, and then you kind of have to just go around to all of your devices and turn it on all of your devices. Uh, and then you get the notifications on the previous devices that you set it up on to enable the other devices. Does that make sense? So you set it up on one. You say, yes, I want to do this. Then every other device that you then have to go and enable it on, all you need to do is just press the allow button on the okay. one of the previous devices that have been set up. Okay. Um, I like the little pop-up. I like the little map um you get the little 6 digit code to type in it's all very easy to do like it's good when you're like you know you're on a mac and you're on the web browser because the little pop up just appears in front of you right like it's it, it's easy all of that stuff works really well um what i don't like is that the apple watch isn't included in any of this oh no you can't get codes in the apple watch but more frustrating is if you get a notification to um to enter a code the the iphone will vibrate but the watch doesn't ever give you any indication that there's something going on on the phone mm. which seems like the complete opposite to security like the idea of this is i should know immediately if someone's trying to do this but my iphone vibrating somewhere in the house when i'm wearing my apple watch is no good to me because now I wear my Apple Watch is where my notifications come. But my Apple Watch doesn't tell me at all that this is happening. The only good thing is that it will vibrate, make a notification, irrespective of what you have set. So I do not disturb on all the time and it will still vibrate on my iPhone. But really, I want my Apple Watch to at least say, hey, go and check your phone. Someone's trying to do two-factor. Totally agree. I think it's crazy that the Apple Watch doesn't do anything. If for whatever security reasons, which I can't understand, uh, it it doesn't want to pop up the code, then fine. Even though soon I'll be able to log into my Mac if I use this. (laughs) Right. Right? And also, a weird thing, I think to do that Mac login, I read this in Dan Moran's article, you have to have two-factor authentication. I think that's Mm. why he moved from two-step to two-factor is that to do that, you have to have two-factor, but then the Apple Watch isn't included in the 2 I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> but that's not the problem. The problem is app-specific passwords. Oh, which is no, no.
1: Yeah, which is not Apple's fault. Like, Right? I mean, I think Dan points out in his article that apps that require this, and I'll let you explain what it is, um, it's because the app hasn't updated to use the new system, I think. Well, Anyways, what, what was your problem with it? What happened? So,
0: Fantastical popped up an error on the Mac and said, like, we can't authenticate. We need you to give us an app specific password. So, I was like, all right, I've heard of these before. Like, I've seen people talk about these. I read about them in the article. That's fine. Uh, so, it said, like, click here and you'll find you'll be taken to Apple's website and they'll tell you how to do it. So, I went to uh, a KBase, you know, I dropped some KBase. Mm. Yes, and uh, I read up on app-specific passwords. I understand what they needed to do, and it was totally fine. Like, I, I created one, and then I put it into Fantastical on the Mac, and I was good to go, and that seemed like it. Um, About two or three days later, I thought to myself, I haven't got a lot of email mm-hmm. in the past few days. So I opened the Mail app, and I had lots of messages that AirMail didn't know anything about. Hmm. So Airmail needed an app specific password, but it doesn't have a way to tell me.
1: Even though Fantastical did.
0: Fantastical did.
1: Yeah, it's Airmail's problem.
0: It's (laughs) Airmail's problem. I'm not saying that this is Apple's problem. I'm just saying that this is a problem. Like there should be a different way that this stuff is done. Like, I don't know what it would be. Like maybe it, maybe this is the time where Apple need to bake a lot of these iCloud-related services into the system in the same way that Google does, where you get thrown out to a view to authenticate, right? Like Maybe Apple needs to do something like that. I mean, I don't know enough about how this stuff works, but you know, maybe it's time where I stop entering my iCloud password into an email application directly mm-hmm. and that they take a leaf out of Google's book and do the authentication with some kind of OAuth. That yeah. would negate the need for me to ever give my iCloud password to something else. Because they've instead of doing that, they've decided to do this app specific passwords thing. Because obviously what it was is if the two factor, they can't they can't do two factor and then say, oh, you just give your password in plain text to any service that needs it. So they created app specific passwords as a way to obfuscate the security is my assumption, right, is why they mm-hmm. did that. So you're not giving your iCloud password to something and it can be shut off real easily, just so you kill off that that service. But this is a reason for why they should have created something like OAuth related, because I now feel like there are apps on my devices that need an app-specific password, but I don't know. There could be something else that needs it, and I'm not getting some information or something's not working, but I don't know now because there's no way of it telling me, because... It could even be the case of like Apple could throw up a thing and say, these are all all the applications and services that use your iCloud credentials, but they can't do that because they don't know because I have to just blindly give my iCloud password to a service. So I think that this is a mess. And like, I just wasn't getting email for a few days and I had some stuff that was pretty important because my personal email is an iCloud account. Yeah. Like, I have my business email in Google Apps, but I've been running my iCloud account for, like, over 10 years. So it's just the one that I use now. Uh, and I just had no idea. Like, I saw um, at one point in those three days, I saw that there was a connection error um, on my iCloud email, but this was also at the same time that Apple was having some service outages. So I just brushed it off.
1: Yeah, it, it would be nice. I mean, I see what you're saying about Google, where you authenticate to, like... Even like so, take Google Photos on the Mac. It basically launches a, a web window where you authenticate uh, to the web, and then the app talks to the web, and it, it lets you in. It would be great if Apple would do something like that. Um, but in the absence of that, I think AirMail should fail better. And sure, when it can't it connect, then it 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 should. Um, there should be some sort of indication of of what's going on. But um, it, how do
0: I mean? I don't know if they know.
1: Yeah, they may not. I mean, I don't know. Fantastical said you need a one-time password then. Well,
0: Fantastical said we're having connection problems. Have you set up two-factor?
1: Okay. So they're they are assuming that maybe this is your fault. You know that yeah. you did something. The problem with all of it is, and I think we're going to I think this is kind of what you're saying is this is too complicated. And like two-factor is great and people should use it. Like everyone should use this. But even for like tech-inclined people like yourself, it is kind of a broken experience. And like, I know when I moved to it on on my Google accounts, I mean, years ago, you know, there's, there's a whole process you have to do. And then just last year I went from their SMS service to using the one time passwords within one password. And so you have to like turn off the SMS thing. You have to turn on the one time password thing. You have to scan a QR code and one password and let it all sync around. Like it was time consuming and it was tricky. And I had to read a support article. So I knew what order to do things in. And, may understand that security is complicated and this is a hard problem to solve but the user experience is so difficult i think it turns a lot of people off to it that they just assume they can't figure it out and so they're just going to keep using their single password with no second step and their stuff's going to get hacked like i'm happy to be
0: safe um i figure it is a, a something i should have some kind of extra step of security on like i have it on my google accounts Uh, So it's about time I put it here, but it's frustrating when to add security, I've had to make something more tricky in the background. It doesn't feel like the right way to do it because now like there might be people that now hear me say this and now they're like, well, I ain't doing that. Yeah. And and that feels like the wrong thing, right? Like people should be hearing me say this and be like, awesome. Let me go and enable that immediately.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally. Agree. It should be. It should be. Should be better. So are you are going to use two factor, Federico?
2: Um, maybe not. I mean, unless I'm forced to, it just seems like a hassle, honestly. So you're
0: already using the two step, so you do have I'm an added on, level of security anyway.
2: I I, I am on two step, and you know I don't feel like I'm being chased by hackers, um, so. <laughs> And of course, as I say this, someone is going to try to break into my iCloud account. Well, I guess at a uh,
0: basic level, the, the the level of security you get is similar, right? Like, yeah. it's, there is an extra step needed.
2: I mean, I guess uh, unless I'm forced to, like, eventually iOS will tell me, "Hey, you you wanna we're like discontinuing two steps, so you gotta migrate to move to 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 two factor." Then I'll be like, okay, whatever, I'll move. But until then, it just seems like a waste of time because I'm already on two-step. And I mean, uh, the basic difference will be like the map preview. Uh, If someone is trying to log into my account, uh, and I mean, if I'm not trying to log into my account myself, I will know. So, uh, you know, when I'll have to, I'll move. But right now, I choose to do something
0: else, I guess. Yeah. So, Stephen, you're using the two fact. You said there was a thing about the maps that you didn't like.
1: Yeah, and it's, I think Dan mentioned it in somewhere. I don't know, but um, Dan Moran, Dan Moran. It's yeah. basically using your IP address to say, hey, someone is logging in here. The problem, like I have, is I use Comcast Business Class, and for everyone in Memphis, Ooh. Comcast Business Class shows that you're in Jackson, Mississippi. Why? Just hours Ooh. away. Um. Because of the way Comcast has stuff set up on their routing. And it would be nice if Apple were to use some sort of geolocation with that. Um, And I don't know if it happens just on the Mac or on the iOS devices. I have noticed it if I'm logging into something on the web and I get prompted. But um, uh, if I have location services turned on, I think this is something that is okay to use location services because if someone has taken my iPad and I'm not aware of it and they're trying to log into something um, then, uh, it's worth getting like the location exactly right. So it's, I think it's another area for improvement, but, um, I think it's all worth the headache, but again, I'm nerdy and and I understand what it's doing and understand that it takes time to set up, but they've got to make it easier for people, especially if, you know, moving forward, they're going to have features that require it, like the auto unlock from the watch. People are going to want that feature and maybe they're technical reasons maybe they're using it as like a carrot stick situation to like get people to use it but it's got to be more um transparent in what it's doing and how it works so people aren't aren't afraid of it or people aren't afraid they're gonna get locked out of their accounts or something Mm -hmm. so i think it's food for thought for apple to consider
0: all right this episode is also brought to you by casper the company focused on sleep casper has created one Perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers, elimin- eliminating those commission driven inflated prices casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting all of those costs that you have to deal with when you're looking at showrooms and resellers and giving those savings directly to you their award-winning mattress was developed in-house it has a sleek design and it is delivered in an impossibly small box a box that you could have in the corner of your house and you wouldn't even know about it so like a friend of mine just bought a casper mattress and they haven't put it in the room yet but they have it in the box and that's totally fine because it's not taking up a big space in their hallway. It's just a box. It's not this huge mattress, which is impossibly big. So they put it in an impossibly small box instead. In addition to the mattress, Casper now offers an adaptive pillow and soft breathable sheets so you can have a Casper experience all the way around if you like. An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper mattress. It is obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. They combine springy latex and supportive memory foam to create a mattress that has just the right sink and just the right bounce. Plus, its breathable design helps you regulate your body temperature throughout the night. Not too hot, not too cold, just nice. Mattresses can often cost well over $1500, but Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin size, 600 for a twin XL, 750 for a full, 850 for a queen and 950 for a king, and they are made in america buying a casper mattress is completely risk-free they offer free delivery and free returns to the us and canada with a 100 night home trial so you can sleep on it you'll know if you want if you want to commit to it because you'll have actually had months of real world sleep in that mattress if you don't love it They'll pick it up and refund you everything. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash connected and using the code connected at checkout terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show. So we have some more details on the Apple produced series on app development that we heard Mm -hmm. about a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um there is a website and a name, and we have some more details, so i 'm going to run through them uh it's called planet of the apps it's <laughs> such a terrible name <laughs> uh it's a, the most dad joke it's like every time it's said, I expect somebody to do a rim shot like it's it's terrible it's 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 terrible i just
2: I just imagine like a weird crossover of the like like an executive meeting at apple. Uh, like Tim Cook and Eddie and Federighi and everyone else. And suddenly it turns into a scene from Planet of the Apes. And, like, these guys are wearing, like, uh, ape costumes and they're running around and smashing MacBooks and iPads. It's kind of creepy and kind of weird, and I don't know why why my brain does this, but,
0: yeah. I don't like the name. Uh, so, <laughs> plan- <laughs> it's, I just, I don't know. I... <laughs> Planet of the Apps. Okay. Uh, so this is some notes that I've picked out from the website. I've taken a look at the copy and the FAQs. So uh, this is stuff that I found there. So those selected will have the chance to receive hands-on guidance from some of the most influential experts in the tech community, featured placement on the App Store, and funding from top-tier VCs. That's what this show is all about. The feature placement on the App Store is interesting to me. I'll come back to the other parts in a moment. Uh, because I would assume that what we're gonna see for the whole time the show is on is like a special banner, Planet of the apps, and then you click there and you'll see all the apps that are mentioned on the shows. Mhm could be pretty good right like yeah so, if you're
1: if you're in that list <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, the inaugural season will be filming for some time uh, in late 2016 uh, to early 2017. So it's, we're probably going to see this in, I don't know, mid to late 2017, I think, as a season. Maybe maybe a little bit earlier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, the app that you submit to them must be in beta of functional state by October 21st. So there's something to show on the show. So if they're looking at late 2016, I guess they might be looking to start filming in November time, right? that. that That kind of seems about right. If they want a beta by then, they're going to start judging them, start picking people. Um, And I I found a few little interesting tidbits from the Q&A section. Uh, So these are things that you need to tell them. How much money do you need to take your app to market? And also those that appear on the show will be required to give up equity unless they choose to accept an offer from one of the angel advisors or investors. This is Mm. basically Shark Tank or Dragon's Den if you live in the UK.
2: It's basically the same concept.
0: So you'll be going in and you'll be saying, this is my application. I will need $200,000 and I will give 5% of equity away to anybody that wants to uh, take a piece of the money. Uh, We are excited to announce our tech expert and talents in the coming weeks. That's the last part that I found there. This whole thing makes me feel just really like... Like I had hoped when we first heard about this that it was gonna be something a little more documentary Do- yeah. focused, yeah. right? And it seems like that there might be a little bit of like backstagey interview stuff, right? They're talking about hands on guidance. I assume they're gonna show some of that, right? It'll probably be like marketing guidance and stuff like that. They might show some of these things. Mm-hmm. But it really feels more like a reality show competition than yeah than anything else, and I was listening to, um, on your Telegram channel, uh, John had a little audio clip about this, I'll, I'll find it and put it in the show notes, and he made a really good point, that I totally agree with It's kind of glorifying the all-you-need-is-VC funding-to-succeed attitude, mm-hmm. and then, like, once you get that VC funding, you're going to be set for life from the application that you make. Like, it kind of, yeah. I don't know, like, it feels like it kind of just continues to perpetuate that thinking.
2: Yeah, whereas we were expecting a little more maybe of a documentary show where you can see like the process of design going through, you know, different mockups and talking to designers, talking to users, betas, what does it mean to get an app onto the app store, what it means to do updates, what it means to be sustainable, you know, the, the kind of stuff that we talk about with the developer community, but of course, you know, Apple is not going to do a show about indie developers or a documentary about indie developers for the kind of shows that we that we host or the kind of blogs that we have. Yeah. They're going to do a show for people sitting in front of the TV, eating chips and saying, oh, look at this guy. He wants to build a Pokemon Go-like app and he wants $2 million. And he's such, you know...
0: Yeah, because it th- honestly the what we want would be boring to most people. (laughs) Yes. right, And this would be exciting to more people. This is why we're not Hollywood executives, Mike. Yeah. But like at the same time, if you are working on an app, this could actually make a difference. Right? If you're working on an application, you have some idea for some social game or social app that you want to make or whatever. This could be a differentiator for the people that get on the show because more than anything... It's going to put your name up in lights like being on these shows, irrespective of making uh, any investment can make and break companies because it's putting you in front of potentially millions of people. And if people like it, like I know a couple of companies that have been on Shark Tank. So the previous sponsor of the show, Foot Cardigan, they were on Shark Tank in America, and that was really good for their business like they they're happy that they did it they're proud that they did it like even in the uh, the ads that we read we spoke about the fact that they were on shark tank and and i've spoken to the, the guys behind foot cardigan and it really worked for them so this could be something that really works but i just don't it just doesn't excite me in the same way and i'm sure we'll be watching it and i'm sure we'll be mm-hmm. talking about it right but i was really hoping for something that was a little bit different um and it doesn't really feel like this is very different. Like it's basically just the carbon copy of an already existing style of show.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's not much here that I mean, Apple could do so so many things. And this is a side note, I love the copyright line on the bottom of the website, some other company, some I guess holding company. But um
0: Is 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 does this show belong to Apple or are they just putting money into it?
1: I think they're just maybe they're just putting money into it. Um uh, the site's built on WordPress, so I guess that Apple uh, probably doesn't have complete control. <laughs> and Will I Am is still involved in some way. Of um, course he is. He's everyone's tech advisor. I don't know if he's a judge or whatever. I don't know. The whole thing just seems really strange. And like you, like the idea is not all that original. Um, I don't like the idea that's like a bunch of cheerleading for like the VC business model. I do think though, if you're on it and it goes well for you, it could be huge. If you're a developer, right? Like anyone who goes on the show and. And is presented in a positive light. Um, I'm sure it's going to be great, and I'm sure it'd be super interesting to talk to somebody who actually does this. But um, I, like, I can't, I'm not like counting down the days till I can download it. You know, like the, I don't have the level of excitement as I do when I see that Netflix has a new drama or something that I want to see. You know, like I don't know. Maybe that's unfair to compare the two, but I, I am, and uh, I'm just not like super pumped about it.
0: So Federico, are you gonna create an application and, and submit it to be on Planet of the Apps?
2: Well, you know, uh I I cannot because I need to be a legal US resident. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. According to the FAQ section. So So close. Maybe I can be a mentor. You I mean know, this would have been
0: such a great launch platform for one, two, three note taker, but it would have been amazing. I can't do anything, I have to wait. Yeah. You know, Mike, if you're sad about the format,
2: um I uh, hear there was one guy who did a documentary show about this in a in a podcast. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. Huh. A guy, from, guy from, from Ireland, I believe, or maybe uh-huh, somewhere uh-huh, in, uh-huh. in Wales, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, a uh, podcast. It was called, uh, uh,
0: I think... Inside uh, the Programs.
2: In, inside the App, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hmm.
0: You should have a link in the show notes, Mike. Mm-hmm, I'll find it. I'll find it. Uh, would you
2: want to be a judge? I want to be a mentor. I don't you like the word judge. to be a mentor? I've always dream of being a mentor to someone, you know? Like, have, you, have you ever watched Dragon Ball, the anime? We've talked about this before. hmm Do you know the old guy who teaches Goku about martial arts? I want to be that guy for, for someone.
0: I've been a mentor. You've
2: been a mentor? Sure, I have. To whom, Mike?
0: Well, it was my old work days. Oh, yeah? Mm. So just to uh, up-and-coming people in bank marketing.
2: Is mentorship on your LinkedIn profile?
0: It should be.
2: All right, but is it exceptional mentorship or just average mentorship? The best.
0: <laughs> cool. The best mentorship. So who do you, who do you think they're realistically going to get to be judges on this show? Oh,
2: someone from TechCrunch uh, and. Uh, someone from New York Times.
0: Well, it's probably going to be people that have money to invest, though, right? Like, that's the point of it.
2: There's going to be different kinds of people, I think. There's going to be the mentor, like a couple of mentors, maybe, like people who have been in the industry for a long time. Yeah. There's going to be tech experts and even entertainment experts, you know, just like people from Hollywood and people from the tech scene. So that the big-time tech blogs, like TechCrunch, CNET, maybe, the, the technology section of the Times... And then there's going to be the VC and the investors and the people with the money. So I feel like there's going to be three kinds of people on the show. And maybe it'll be structured in that way, like in three different segment segments, like the developer with the idea, uh, the, the the mentor sort of, sort of giving guidance, the tech expert kind of going through the app, going through the idea from a more kind of techish kind of point of view. And then the final kind of, you know, where it all goes down uh, all about the money. So maybe it'll be like in, in this structure. That That's my idea.
0: So like, whilst, I mean, look, so this isn't what I was hoping it would be, but I do like Dragon's Den, which is the UK uh, show, which is like Shark Tank. Um, which I think, came, I think that's where the Shark Tank came from. I think it was sold from Dragon's Den, but anyway, I enjoy that show. Um, I like people that are coming on to pitch their ideas i like it when they're good i like it when they're bad it's an interesting show to watch this could be entertaining oh, yeah, i just feel sure. like that there is a that it just isn't what i expected and the name is horrific that's kind of my overall feelings but it <laughs> i don't know like I, I wish that there was some different ways that they were doing this stuff I, I wish that maybe it wasn't so focused around vcs uh but it it could it could be a, an interesting show at least kind of it's like a little bit of a time capsule of app development culture. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I just hope there's not. Uh, you know, what's the name of that guy who owns like a basketball team and he has a lot Mark of Cuban. money? Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. I just hope that guy is not on the show. I pretty I,
0: much expect it will no. be. oh um, <laughs> No. What's the guy who invested in Gimlet? What's his name? Chris Saka.
1: Yeah. Oh
2: yeah, that guy, yeah, that that guy makes sense for he's, the show. Yeah. He's
1: the uh Twitter guy too. The, the Twitter, Twitter the guy yeah. with
2: the Twitter thoughts. Yeah. Cuz he
0: was on Shark Tank. I am going to put a little bet here that Chris Sucker will be one of the uh one of the VCs on this show, on this app show. You know what's going to happen though? Right? Like people will come with their ideas and they'll be like, "Where's the social messaging component? Where are your stickers? Uh, so what's your <laughs> what's your AR strategy?" I should <laughs> go to Pokémon Go. Yeah, what what's what your strategy? Can people catch them all in your application, or can they only catch some of them?
2: <laughs> what's your what's your what's your iMessage sticker policy on yeah. on copyright?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, I I don't know. I just there's so much more to the development community than this sort of app and this sort of approach. Like, I, I think people already have an idea of where apps come from that's kind of screwed up and this is not going to help that. Like how many good apps do we use from like independent developers and the stuff on this show may not be representative of that. So, you know, I guess there's a little bit of like LOL bloggers here where like our community is a little bit special and like the friend developers we're friends with are not the developers who are doing, um, you know, big, uh, games on Facebook and and pay to play and that sort of stuff. But um this I think this sort of show and this sort of idea about development is not going to do anything like in their favor, right? It's not going to promote like small independent handcrafted apps. It's going to be stuff that needs VC stuff that needs to be that needs to scale, that needs to yeah, be on TV to make it work. But um
2: I can already imagine the the indie developer at Thanksgiving 2017 with all the family members around, and he's an indie developer He makes an app and he makes a decent living, and, uh, the, you know, the the brother-in-law turns to the developer and he's like, so do you need $3 million for your app now? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, please, I'm, I'm not that kind of developer. I just yeah. feel like it's going to change the perception of a lot of people about apps in good ways, in bad ways, maybe, uh, but in the end it's just a show, you know? Uh, maybe... I wonder why Apple wants this. Uh, could be related to the changes coming to the App Store. You know, they wanna they wanna kind of open up a little more uh, in terms of business models and even in terms of perception. Uh, because you know, it, I can make the argument that a lot of people still don't think that making an app costs any money. Uh, because every time a friend you know we're we're talking, he's like, "So you should make an app." It's, you know, just people think that apps are like they exist in some form, sort of like apples on a tree, and they're just waiting to be picked. And people have no clue what the development process is like, what design is like, what, you know, having a business strategy is like. So maybe Mm -hmm. this show will be good news, uh, but also it'll change the perception and, and, and everyone will start thinking that making an app costs, like... $2 $2 million and you need equity, you need investors, you need VC, you need angels, uh, which is an awful word, but, you know, they're, they're called angels. So we'll see how it goes. It's interesting. I just want to know who's going to be the mentor because I'm going to be jealous. I just, it's just maybe like a business card thing. I want to have a business card that says mentor. Hmm.
0: Um, I mean, you can just print that now.
2: But yep. I I don't have a, what's the name of the, the people, the, uh, the person who is, I don't have a mentee. So, you know, yeah. I need to find someone. Who's gonna follow me and listen to me and, right. and ask for advice?
0: If you yeah. would like to be Federico's mentee, just tweet <laughs> with the hashtag Mente. <laughs>
2: And And people don't know how to
0: spell that. <laughs> that's part but- of the. Uh, <laughs> that's part of the 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 whole getting in, right? I'm pretty sure mentee is a Pokemon, Mike. Probably. <laughs> No, uh, but that's that's part of it, right? That's like test number one: is is can they spell mentee or can they find the word mentee? Can they can they use their skills to unearth the word mentee? And then they tweet tweet you know, something, like maybe tweet their LinkedIn profile or like a, a Twitter image of their resume to Federico hashtag mm. TG Mentee.
1: I think you have to fax it in, and he'll mentor you out of faxing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's there's, there's many ways there's there's lots of things you, we can do here but yeah I think you could be a a mentor you know all those people that that, that want to understand Google Analytics and page views and stuff right you no, could you could help yeah. them with that
2: like how how do you deal with an embargo Coming up, yeah. while you're shopping at IKEA and you have two bars of three G, like what do you do? What's the best strategy there? Yeah.
0: Sit down. Let me talk to you about app store propagation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: you know, there's a lot of lessons we could go through and a lot of real life experiences yeah. I could give to this person.
0: What do you do when you accidentally tweet about an application <laughs> before you're supposed to? <laughs> how do you deal with screenshots of your home screen when you have betas there?
2: Yeah, how do you batch rename screenshots for a beta and put them on the CDN without people figuring out the link. You know yeah, Easter eggs one oh one. Footnotes. <laughs> oh man. See?
0: There's so much to teach.
2: Yeah I know. I know. So just find me a, a Mentee Mike and right. uh, we'll take you from there. You can so, do it.
0: you you have a you
2: have game with it with the hashtags. Yeah lately. So, so there yeah.
0: you go. you just tweet hashtag teach a mentee which is the my new favorite thing. Uh, And I will, I will pick someone for you.
2: (laughs) We still haven't, haven't talked about it. It's going to be like a paid service. It's going to be just out of goodwill for selected
0: people. You're the mentor. What do you want
1: to do? I think if you're paying them, you're a professor, not a mentor. Mentor is someone who is only interested in the future, and the future is embodied in this person.
2: All right, but not to like doesn't take too much out of my day
0: like no, you set that you set that with the person that's an that's, a, that's an agreement that's a verbal contract
2: all right uh, yeah so w- i can be a mentor all right so there you
0: go perfect
2: okay so we'll follow up in in uh, next week and uh, if we have any applications any any uh, propositions from from the people well, with the
0: hashtag excellent i'm already really excited about the uh, the search
2: do you want to be my mentee mike have you no, thought about me. being a blogger you sure I've considered it.
0: I've considered it, but I've decided not to do it.
2: I can turn you into professional bloggers. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to.
0: If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash connected slash 99. If you'd like to follow our sponsors, you should do that. They are Casper, Martiancraft Craft, and Braintree. For this week's episode, go click their links, buy their products, support the show. We would appreciate it. If you want to find Federico online, he is at Faticci, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, on Twitter. And he is at mentorstories.net, if you're... Uh... <laughs> oh, wait, sorry, no, maxstories.net. i let slip about your future product there. Um, I don't think we ever mentioned this on the show, but uh, because it, this happened during WWDC, where I... Purchased iOSstories.net. <laughs> yes, you did. I did, didn't I? For sure, we were at some party, and we, we... we were at the App Camp for Girls party. Oh yes, and, and um... I can't remember how it came up, but I asked you if you owned the URL. You said no, and then I said, "Well, I'm going to buy it." So I now own it. I own iOSstories.net, <laughs> and uh, as I said to you, and I say it now, you can have it whenever you want it, but until then. I'll just take care of it for you. It's like babysitting.
2: Thank you, Mike.
0: No problem. No problem. I think I typed in the wrong URL for the for the redirect. I apologize. Uh, if you'd like to find Stephen online, you can go to 512pixels.net where you will find uh, lots of stuff about really old computers and some things about new computers too. And Stephen is at ISMH on Twitter. Um, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And I am at net. If you want to go and uh, read some stuff about (laughs) iOS, that is the best place to do that. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week for episode 100. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios. Apparently mental.